being relationship-based, not transactional-based. I'll point out something we all experience. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in business is how often you see a business offer a deal for new customers only. Yeah. Right. When you understand that when you're self-employed, you're in a relationship business, there's no way faster to piss off your customers than that. They're speakers, authors, and real life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. That's us. Welcome to your favorite podcast. It's Thoughts That Rock. Mm-hmm. The 30-minute podcast where we share three pieces of life-changing advice around a current topic or challenge. Today's guest is our longtime friend, uh, I have no idea how why it took almost four years to get him on this podcast, considering he's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Jeffrey Shaw. Yeah. I, you know, probably COVID was part of it, but honestly, it's, it's perfect the way that it lined up because the topic was how to be self-employed mm-hmm. and be happy. Yep. And I think when we talk uh, in the interview, which you're going to hear in just a moment, because we had a great conversation, yeah. if we would have just talked about how to be self-employed, it would have been very strategic and tactical. And now it's much bigger than that, because I think, don't, don't you think most people want to work for themselves? And and that's probably very simple to do. It's, you know, it's the second part. How do you sustain that and be happy? So we couldn't think of a, a better person than our friend Jeffrey Shaw. Yeah, Jeffrey is, gosh. Uh, his resume is is incredible. Check out the show notes for sure to get yeah. the whole the whole thing. But ultimately, about forty years as one of the most popular photographers, portrait photographers in the country, um, built an incredible business for himself with that. Um, sort of made the shift into speaking and writing, mm-hmm. and uh, is the author of of two books. Uh, Lingo was his first book, and uh, the Self Employed Life uh, was his second and last book that came out in twenty twenty one. And uh, that book sort of launched his self-employed business institute, which is, I I don't know really a lot of places where you can go and get practical education on becoming an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and, and how to be self-employed successfully. And, and he does this several times a year through these cohorts and it's become incredibly successful, um, difficult even you should apply to get in now because, uh, he's got a list now of people who want to learn what he has learned and, and how to be not just self-employed, but self-employed and happy for over 40 years now. Yeah. And almost everything he's touched has turned to gold. I mean, he's been really, really successful and you know, this Institute's going to be amazing, like the conversation that we had, it was just, it was really good. And boy, he's just one of the smartest people we know. And, uh, this was fun. We think you guys are going to enjoy it. Check it out. Love it. There he is. The master is in the house. Yes. Jeffrey Shaw. What's up, buddy? Almost three years in the making. I'm (laughs) glad. Exactly. It has been at least three years, but I'm glad to hang out with you guys. This is cool. Great. uh, Great topic. Yeah, we were probably going to talk around the same topic when we thought about this a couple of years ago. Yeah. But now that we've switched formats, uh, I don't know if you had known that or not, Jeffrey, we were focusing on, I think, the person and, and what was sort of uh, in your background. Now we're focusing on topics and helping people out. And as you heard in the introduction there, we're just trying to solve some problems out there. And 
there are definitely some people that are probably looking to to go out and do some stuff on their own. I think maybe even everybody has this, you know, somewhere in the back of their mind, like they'd like to be self-employed, but I love what you've added onto that. Uh, how do you be self-employed and happy? That's going to be the topic. And man, we just couldn't think of anybody that would be. Is that because we know a lot of people who are self-employed and miserable? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's exactly why we're trying to no solve one in this room, right? Them, some of our friends. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, so you know, let, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what's kind of cool about it. Like the fact that Brand added that on, you know, if, if we had had this conversation three years ago when it was intended, um, yeah. I don't know that we would have, we would have talked more strategy, right? We would have talked yeah. more strategy being self-employed, but I think there's a major shift about, you know, people be wanting to be happy, you know? In fact, I did a, I did a podcast recently myself that uh, kind of focused on, you know, are you happy, but you think you could be happier? And that's a gray area that I think a lot of people sit in that I think is makes people, their mental health really vulnerable, right? Yeah. Uh, because when you're happy and you wonder if you could be happier, you start questioning your gratitude and, you know, mm -hmm. I've got, I've got happy people, you know, I've got a healthy family and, and you start questioning, there's a little guilt with it. Yeah. When yeah. you're happy, but you wonder if you could be happier. But I think it's a legitimate question. That is where I see most self-employed people basically happy, but sometimes finding themselves in a place of I've done all this, I've built yeah. this business. Yeah. I'm happy, but I wonder if I could be happier. And what yeah. we're going to accomplish today, hopefully, is to figure out how they can be happier. Well, you make a great point, too. I think uh, when we were first talking about this, 2019, 2020, pre-COVID, obviously, mm -hmm. now, if you think about employees, they're almost getting a taste of what self-employment could be like. Um, you know, it is definitely an employee's world right now because they demand a lot. They want flexibility. They want to work from home. They want to have their dog and their kids mm -hmm. in the background. You know, they, they feel like you know, they almost deserved that because the world was able to make it through with this distance-based mentality. I think now you're going to see a lot more people that might stretch themselves and stick their necks out and go, listen, I've been doing this one or two days a week. I think I can take a chance. But boy, I, I just, we'll get into it. But I just remember when I became self-employed, it was a major leap to go from working in this corporate environment and, and, knowing that I had to put on clothes and uh, walk 10 feet to my office. Like, well, we'll talk about that stuff, but it isn't uh, for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But sure. anyway, let, let, let's jump right in, man. What, um, let's talk about this. What, what is your first thought that rocks on how to be self-employed and be happy? Mm -hmm. And we are talking about the ultimate happiness here. So the first thought is it's not, it's not you, it's them. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that when you're self-employed, from our perspective, the world really is backwards. And it's taken me the longest time. I've been at this 40 years, this game of self-employment for 40 years. And it's taken me up until recently to understand how exhausting it is when you are different in the world. In this case, we're saying self-employed. When it feels like the whole world operates a certain way and your brain wants to operate differently. And the exhaustion is what I refer to, like these translations we go through, which is now in my, my keynotes and what I'm teaching are like the translations. Cause I figured I've, I figured I spent 40 years figuring out these translations. Let's not make everybody reinvent the wheel so that it's, I think it's really important to understand in order to be fully happy and you're self-employed is that 
it's not, it's not you, it's them. Like you're not crazy. It's literally the rest of the business world operates differently, but here's why the rest of the business world is transactional based. When you're self-employed, I don't care what industry you're in, you're relationship based because your business relies not just on the relationships you build. We know that in business, but the continuation of those relationships, you know, the, the, one of the classic examples is the 80, 20 rule, right? We're told mm -hmm. in business that we should accept that 80% of our business comes from 20% of our customers. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're a hardworking, self-employed person, you don't have time to waste on eight out of 10 people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's exhausting. Yes. yes. And, but you think you're crazy. You're like, well, if I'm supposed to believe that it must be me then it's like, no, it's not you. It's them. Like the traditional mm -hmm. business world is trying to convince us to be in business in ways that doesn't feel comfortable for most self-employed people. So for example, one of the translations I teach is to go from target marketing to what I teach is hug marketing, right? Traditional business world gets us to, wants us to focus on how to target our audience. And the moment, the reality is in business, when you're in a relationship business, if you make people feel targeted, they will back up, mm -hmm. right? So how do we change that? Well, we need to translate target marketing to hug marketing. This idea that the goal, the quest is not to make people feel targeted, but to actually the goal is how can you build relationships that are so significant that if you were to meet a stranger in person, that you would give them a hug. Somebody yeah. you never, you do business with them, but you may have never met them. Your podcast listeners. I, as I travel, I'm, I'm meeting up with podcast listeners all the time. Of course, mm -hmm. I'm going to give them a hug with their permission. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because the relationship is there, they're, even if it's been one-sided, they're listening yeah. in. So that's a big significant shift. Um, the other translation I'll offer as an example is this, this idea of, trans, of translating from niche marketing to finding your niche. Hmm. Traditional business wants us to pick a niche, do one thing to one audience, yep. which kills the passion from which most self-employed people come from. And what I like to do is help people find their niche within themselves. What's their core message in life? What, how does that core message translate to a brand message that's marketable, yeah. right? If they can find that, and this was so cool, the clearer their core message is to them, the more they can see opportunities with multiple audiences in multiple ways of delivery. Mm. And these are the things that make people happy. Because yeah. if you try to put, if you try to put the most innovative, creative, boldest, self-employed people in the world in a box, they're not happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Nobody traditional you. business wants to like the, all these traditional business crap we hear. It's like, I, I mean, I've been fighting against this. I feel my whole life. Stop trying to put me in a box. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just don't think that way. And I think like, why are we stifling the creativity of people that are bold enough to go into business for themselves in the first place? And we try to limit their thinking by putting them in a box. Yeah. I love this idea of sort of moving towards relational based things. You know, uh, this last weekend we went to support, um, a friend of ours playing some music, but it was at a farm in, mm -hmm. uh, just outside of Mount Dora, sort of in that Tavares area. And they had bought all this land that they, it's a working farm. It's a, you pick it like a blueberry and strawberry farm. Um, but they built this barn that they're using for the community 
to do free concerts, to do family game days. Um, and in the process of that relationship building with the community, they're finding people who want to support their business. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's really sort of allowed them to expand. Now they're building another facility. They're doing all kinds of things mm -hmm. over there, which um, is interesting when we're so focused on the business and we lose that relationship that we are trying to, especially, you know, most I would think, and you would obviously know better than us, um, Jeffrey, but the, the idea that when you are a entrepreneur, a lot of times you are locally focused or in the community of which you work. Um, and so f that becomes, I think in that scenario, relationships become even more important. It's one thing if you are, you know, all I can think of is uh, George Costanza. I'm an importer exporter. But the idea of being grounded in your community and building those relationships, I know you did it when you were in Miami to the point where, um, you know, they're, they're doing self-employment day. Like, I mean, you had built mm -hmm. these incredible relationships, which allowed you to do things that I think you probably never thought were possible four or five years ago. Um, is it more important on the relationship side when someone is locally based, I guess is my question. I, I could, I would say I could see how it could be more important. But I don't think we should in any way limit in today's internet world that, yeah. you know, the relation it's, it's again, another translation. I yeah. put this out on social media recently. Like, can we stop referring to the people we serve as an audience yeah. and start referring to them as my people? Yeah. Like there's a different, you take a different level of responsibility for relationship building and caring for people when I think of them as my people. Yes. You know, I even had this conversation with my, my speaking rep, like I'm very clear for the amount of speaking that I want to do, which is limited because I don't want to be on the road constantly. But I'd said to her, I said, I only want to be in front of my people. And I'll tell yeah. you exactly who my people are yeah. and find me those speaking gigs. Right. Yeah. And so it's same idea. It's like, I don't want traditional business wants to look at as a target. They want to look yeah. at it as an audience. Like, no, yeah. the people I build a relationship with anywhere in the world are my people. Yeah. So I don't, you know, so yeah, I would say it's slightly more important because of from a reputation standpoint locally, but I yeah. think the possibility is the same globally to yeah. actually, if you know who your people are, you care yeah. for them deeply, you build relationships with them. And I think those can be built worldwide, but I want to give it a, a, I think it's helpful to understand, like just really getting the idea of it being relationship based, not transactional based. I'll point out something we all experience. It's one of my biggest pet peeves in business is how often you see a business offer a deal for new customers only. Yeah. Right. When you understand that when you're self-employed, you're in a relationship business, there's no way faster to piss off your customers than that. Yeah. Right. Tra transactional, traditional business can go away with that. Yep. But when you are set, when your business is built on relationships, I don't know that there's anything worse that you can do yeah. <laughs> than make an offer for a new customer. I get the hook of it. Yeah. But make an offer for new customers and include your existing customers, but to exclude them from an offer that you're making for new customers makes absolutely no sense when you understand that you're a relationship-based business when you're self-employed. Isn't it, isn't it crazy that in the corporate world, you work for some place for 20 years, at that point, you're making the most amount of money, you're getting the biggest amount of benefits, you're doing all of those things to earn 
that sort of uh, where you're at with that organization. But when it comes to the services that we do, like I've been a 20 year subscriber of uh, cable or whatever that is, like I have the worst deal. I'm getting charged the most amount of yep. money. I feel like I am being thrown away for that new customer who's signing up. There is nothing to reward you know, the, the person who has been loyal and, and, and sort of been with you for, for decades, it's just such back ass words marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, when it's not how the world actually works, even Correct. in their own world, it's yeah, crazy. It's, right. Like I said, it's, it's not you, it's them. <laughs> like yes. it's people to operate like that. It makes no sense. I mean, I, I, I insist every student I work with in my business institute, every client I coach, like I want them to have a, a loyalty program in their business, flip it upside down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there should every, every self-employed business should have a, something embedded that honors existing customers that new customers can't get. Yeah. And more than just a punch card, like yeah. let's raise the bar here and come up with a program where your customers, existing customers find out they've joined a secret club yep. by becoming your customer for which they get benefits of that somebody off the street doesn't get. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's how that's thinking relationship based. I love that. That's awesome. What what's your uh, second thought that rock thought that rocks? It's your show. Can't even say my own show. <laughs> it's as if you've never said it. Um, <laughs> the second thought is know your capacity, right? And and there's both practical and and just a more metaphorical meaning behind this. But again, if we're looking for true happiness, this is really critical. Know your capacity define for yourself how many hours do you want to work and that's not up for it to anybody else to judge because if you're if you want to work 12 hours a week and you could do it and you can honor the lifestyle you want to live go for it yeah right but know the capacity you want to work and i'll even stretch that further from an hours perspective i think it's various i'm going to mention a few different degrees of capacity here right now like just know the number of hours you want to work that has to equate with what you want, right? What level of financial income you want, what lifestyle you want. You have to understand like the capacity that you're going to allow yourself, the number of hours you're going to work, the amount of work, the volume you want to work, the energy you have. These are the elements of capacity that you have to equate to, well, what do you, what results do you want? Right? Because hey, if you can get the results you want and work 12 hours a week, great. But if you can't get the results you want from 12 hours a week and you need to work 40 hours a week, then that's a decision, a conscious, conscious decision that you need to make. Not just I'm working 24 seven because it's forced upon me because that doesn't lead to happiness. Yeah. Right? So decide on what capacity keeping in mind, here's a little, just a practical tip from a business coach is what I call the rule of thirds. When it comes to the number of hours that you work, you're probably getting paid about a third of the hours that you're actually working. Right, because about another third of your hours is to going is going into running the business, and about a third of your hours is to getting the business. Mm -hmm. So, in in relationship to the number of hours, the capacity of hours that you want to work and getting what you want, you have to be conscious that you're probably only getting paid about a third of the hours that you work. Right. right? So, from that's that place, you make the decision for you. Yeah, that's <laughs> it, it, Mr. Workaholic well, <laughs> over here. If we start doing that, there's going to be some problems. Well, I think it's it's um. And I don't know if you would put sort of scalability into this bucket as well, right? Because I think that um, 
that's something that a lot of people don't think about when they're going into business is that they just, they want to start something and they just want to be able to make a living at it. And this is what they want is their passion, whatever that might look like. Um, but then is it scalable and what does scalability look like? And is it something that you need to bring on two people or 20 people? And is it a $500,000 business or is it a $50 million business? Um, and th those are, you know, I think, some people look at entrepreneurs um, oftentimes like they're a little bit crazy if they don't want to scale at you know massive yeah. numbers. But the truth is the bigger you scale, the more the headaches come, the less time you have, like all of those sort of issues creep in. So when somebody is sort of defining um, those things, they should, should they think about that future scalability or is that a conversation that happens down the road? Um, no, I think they should. I mean, it's, to me, everything should be done with intention, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to, and this is where self-employed people often find themselves in a place of either not being happy or being happy sort of, but wonder if they could be happier is mm -hmm. because they feel like whatever, whatever they didn't intentionally set up is now being put on them. Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, and it can go both ways. I mean, I certainly work with plenty of people that are struggling and they want more growth out of their business, but I also work with plenty of people that their business exploded and, you know, at their feet and they're like, yeah. I, I have more business I can handle. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right. It all comes down to empowered choice. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, when, when situations are forced upon you, it's hard to be happy if it's your choice. And that's why I stand by anybody that wants to create a scalable $50 million business. I stand by somebody who wants to do nothing more than build a business to give themselves a paycheck yeah. equally, yeah. as long as it's their empowered choice. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I think absolutely. I think if, uh, and I also want to mention that, you know, when it comes to your capacity that, you know, if it's your empowered choice and as a photographer for so many decades, I worked in a very seasonal business. So, you know, happiness became relative. Like I was probably less happy during the busy holiday season, but happy with how much money I was making. Right. Yeah. But it was temporary and it was an empowered choice to have a seasonal business. So if you're building a business out that's scalable and it, it is your empowered choice to like be working 24 seven or like, an, you know, really grinding it out for a period of time to meet yeah. that end goal. Yeah. As long as it's your choice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You know, but I, I'd say the last element of capacity that I think is more important today than, than maybe it has been is, is energy. You know, what energy can you sustain? Mm -hmm. Um, I've learned a lot from my various podcast guests on all different issues, be it overwhelm, stress, sleep. Like I've interviewed so many people and almost every expert I've ever interviewed says any condition for more than three months that is taking away more than it's giving is chronic. And that's when it becomes a health issue, like sh stress. I mean, there's good stress and we yeah. all encounter stress, but stress that is continuous for more than three months yeah. is considered chronic stress, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, a state of overwhelm, we all get to states of overwhelm, Yeah, but if it exists for more than three months, it's now introducing itself as a problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also a way to look at your capacity. It's like, we all run into these problems. We're working crazy hours for a period of time, but I do think we should look at the degree to which, you know, how long is it going on? And, and I also just, the last thing I want to mention about capacity is that it's your decision. If you, once you know what your capacity is, how many hours you want to work, what volume at work you, what you want to do, how much energy you want to put into it. You also are, are empowered to say, 
okay, that's my maximum capacity. I think I'll work at 80% of that mm-hmm. because you don't want to be maxed out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I studied yoga for 13 years with a, one particular teacher who I was such a perfectionist, even in yoga, that she finally said to me, she, she forced me to take upon what I called half-ass Thursdays. <laughs> she wanted me to have one day a week where I would be half-assed at everything I did. And it was the healthiest thing I ever could have done. I, only, I worked half a day. I didn't, I just, I had this whole half-assed attitude on Thursdays. <laughs> That's <laughs> because great it was, though. It was a day of working at less capacity because without yeah. that, I'm going to work at 110% of my capacity by nature. Yeah. That's who we are as self-employed business owners, right? Um, so I know your capacity and then decide what yeah. capacity you want to work at. It is bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, here's the thing you're, intentionally being half-assed and that's the difference, right? I mean, that's the, that's, it's not just you're slacking off. It's like, you know what? I'm intentionally going to sort of, we're going to start instituting half. And you know who loved, you know, who loved half-assed Thursdays the most? My employees. Oh yeah. Of course. (laughs) I was so much easier to be around. (laughs) Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. I remember when when I was first uh, leaving corporate America, so I'm going back about 11 years now just speaking, and I wasn't actively writing a book. All of us have, have been able to do that, the three of us. Um, boy, I, I felt like my capacity, I just had so much more free time and it was great. I love that lifestyle, but I think you make a great point that, you know, Brant and I now have a couple businesses. You've got some great things that are going on that are probably taking up so much more time and we probably have added some stress, but not that, that we can't handle it. We know what our capacity is. And we also know that there's you know, there's a, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow for you. There's some legacy building stuff that you're working on. So I think, you know, even just looking at these first two, if you think, geez, you know, what I'm going to do on my own self-employed isn't going to match up to the rest of the business world. And, and that's going to be great. But then the second part is I'm either going to work so much harder or so much less, but the goal is I'm going to be happy doing it. And I don't have to I don't have to, you know, respond to somebody. I don't have to, you know, take somebody's direction. I'm going to do it the way that I want to, but it is relational. And, and, and I'll make this point real quick before we talk about your third, the three of us have met in some groups that, you know, it's funny when you leave corporate America and you lose all of your resources, I don't have access to it. I don't have access to marketing. I don't have access to whatever, that stuff still has to get done. And so when you go mm-hmm. out and you're you're on your own, whether you're starting a company with multiple people or in our cases, it was just, you know, the three of us were probably on our own. You still need uh, some people within arm's length. You still need a, a tribe. You still need, as you said, my people. And I think 
we have found our, our people that have been able to support us and help us out to, to get to that next level. And, and, and I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but part of being happy is I need to be around other self-employed people so I can learn and grow and understand and not just be out there treading water in the deep end. So yeah, I don't know how you, before actually, you jump into yeah. your third point, do you feel the same way? hundred percent. I mean, one of the most common feedbacks I, I would hear from my people, my community of self-employed people is that they're lonely. And that wasn't something I felt I had experienced or wasn't aware of because, you know, it, you can be surrounded by people all day long and, and feel lonely. And I think it's particularly true of self-employed people uh, for the sole reason that, you know, the buck stops here. It's the world is sitting on our shoulders. You could be surrounded with people and feel like I'm the one that has to make the decision here. I'm the one that's going to make this decision. And quite, it's actually why my next, my next book is about self-doubt for high achievers. That's not the title of it, but that's specifically the topic because I see that as being one of the biggest stumbling blocks. And I think it shows up more significantly for high achievers. Um, so yeah, it is, it can be innately a, a lonely community, a lonely experience, uh, which is why we do need community hundred percent. Yeah. Quick, quick side note too. I think that Brant, you've done a tremendous job. I, I don't know if in your mind you go every day, I'm going to reach out to one of the people in my tribe, whether it's a speaker, an author, a, a consultant, whatever it is. But I think you've done a fantastic job in fostering those relationships because boy, it does matter when you're out there on your own to know that somebody else has gone through something like you or currently, or mm -hmm. you have aspirations to want to do something. And somebody's probably already blazed that trail. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously you've made a career out of this, Jeffrey. I think that's just awesome. What, what is, what is your third thought that rocks? The third uh, thought that rocks is to lead with impact. Mm -hmm. And what this means in a practical sense is that we need to, we need to have a different business model. So when I say business model, keeping in mind that for the most part, most self-employed businesses are not going to the bank to present their business model for funding. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not realistic in today's right. world. Banks aren't lending us money anyway. Right. So, um, we don't need the traditional business model that the other part of the world may need. We need a business model where we can understand where to put our time, attention, and energy based on the on leading with impact, trusting, knowing, and being confident we've set up the systems that the income will follow. Hmm. But if you look at the, if you actually look at most self-employed businesses, you would often see that they are putting up more time, money, and energy into something that isn't financially rewarding yet. Right. So if, if a traditional minded business coach steps into your business, they would say, what are you doing? Why are you putting all your attention on that? It's not even bringing any money. Right. I, I often use an example of being a speaker. Like you're going to speak for three years for low to no pay yeah. to get your build the, the reputation before the income catches up to you. Yep. Right. Yeah. So the, the reality of most self-employed businesses is that we are leading with impact and that's okay. I actually teach a business model, um, an impact-based business model that looks like a bunch of levers or a 1970s equalizer. A lot of people have said <laughs> it looks like right? it's a bunch of levers where you decide what lever are you amping up because yep. that's the area of your business that you're giving the most attention to. Yep. And it may not equate, equate the income level yet. Like for me, one extreme example of my own business is that, you know, the top of the lever for me is my self-employed business institute. It gets all my time and attention. The lever I it's yanked down to the bottom is my photography lever, right? Yeah. Because I don't need to, 
I still do very little photography. Yep. I don't need to put any attention to it. Right. And yep. I can make a boatload of money without trying. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because yeah. I've got a 40 year yeah. experience of that with loyal clients. Yeah. So, but if you, so my own business model looks like, you know, it's not based on income, it's based on leading with impact. So I think for self-employed people, it's really important for them to be granted permission. If we can accomplish nothing here today to say, grant you permission to know that you're looking at your business the right way. If you look at it as what am I putting my time and attention on and energy towards being confident the income will follow. Yeah. But it's okay. I think most self-employed business owners, uh, business model looks a little upside down from traditional business income base because we're almost always, we're forward thinking. We're almost always putting attention and time into something that isn't financially rewarding yet. And then it catches up Mm -hmm. and then we probably are putting our attention on something else. And then that catches up. So we're almost always leading with impact, uh, with the income to follow rather than the traditional I'm going to make all my decisions based on the ROI. It's just not realistic for people that go into business for themselves, usually based on a passion, a purpose, something they wanted to really do in the world. If that's yeah. what brought you into being self-employed, you have to lead with impact and, and the income will follow. Well, this is going to jump right into your value speak. You know, Impact mm-hmm. is one of my values. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's one of yours as well. Yep. And it's Mine honestly well. why I left corporate America. I mean, I had... A fantastic job. I think, you know, I was with Hard Rock for 21 years, um, senior director there. I was making good money. I was making killer bonuses, but I wanted more impact in the world. And even today, standing on a stage, I don't care if it's for four people or 4,000. The goal is, can I influence and impact their thinking? Can I enrich their lives personally, professionally, whatever it is? But man, I loved my gig at Hard Rock. I absolutely loved it. But I knew that I wanted to have a louder voice in the world. And I think that's probably a driving force for a lot of people that want to be self-employed anyway. They, instead of working for somebody and on behalf of somebody, and even, even though you might be contributing and you've got a big bucket of responsibilities, there is something sweet and cool about doing something on your own. And I know, again, people probably have that drive, but if they have that impact mindset, why wouldn't you want to go do this on your own? This yeah. is this is right up your world, right? Well, look what you're doing with Bookie Call, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the yeah. energy that went into that, its formation, its creation, its expansion. Like, yeah. you know what you're building and you yeah. know yeah. where where this is leading to. It seems pretty clear to me and it's very clear in, in the conversations we had early on. Like, this is going to be huge and it's going to reward you extremely well. Yeah, yeah. But you had to put a lot of time and attention into that before the income catches up. Yeah. So we've learned (laughs) the, uh, you know, I, I think obviously the values conversation is, and why I love this advice, Jeffrey is, is that it's, you know, the idea that if you're working for money and the money doesn't come, it makes it really hard to stay committed Mm -hmm. to whatever it is you're trying to do. Um, but when you're working towards impact and you see the impact whether you make money or not, you stay motivated to keep the commitment to what you're trying to accomplish. And so the values become sort of a payment system that allows you to feel fulfilled at the end of each day to know that you're doing things that are aligned with your purpose and the the stuff that, that really is going to drive you forward, even when the financial success has yet to catch up to you. Um, And when it does, it's, it, and when it does, it's, shocking. Yeah. And yet that's exactly what you set up, but that's, 
you know, and when it does, right, when that income catches up and you're, you're having impact and income. Yeah. Talk about happiness, right? That's that's what we're going for. These are the, you know, the people who say they haven't worked a day in their life or they don't, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's because those two things have Mm -hmm. finally aligned with each other. (laughs) They're, they've got the impact. The income is caught up and now it doesn't feel like they're working. It just feels like they're doing what they love to do and they're watching that the impact that they're having and they're being rewarded handsomely for it. And I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, that's what we all aspire to, at least. Yeah, I think Marshall Goldsmith side. is the walking example of that to me. I mean, yeah. he's 72 years old, shows no signs of ever slowing down. He doesn't have to work as hard as he does, but he has major impact on the world, yeah. gets rewarded extremely well for it, seems by all Appearance is incredibly happy. Yep. And at 72 years old, absolutely no indication of slowing down and having less impact. Like I flat out told him when I interviewed him recently, I'm like, he is my vision of my future. Yeah. Mm. Like that's exactly who I want to be at that point in life as well. I, I think he's, he's created uh, yeah. that, that ultimate uh, merger between yeah. impact and, and income. Love it. Well, we're talking about how to be self-employed and happy. I love these three thoughts. Um, it's not about you, it's them. Mm-hmm. Know your capacity and lead with impact. Uh, speaking of impact, and I was sort of alluding to this, we talked about it before. You've got some cool things that are going on. Can you talk about your new initiative? Is that something that's out there for the the public to to get a hold of? Sure. Yeah. So um, as a result of my my second book, The Self-Employed Life, once the book was out there for a few months, and you know, both of you have put books that you put books out there in the world and um, you know, people want something from it that you may not have seen. Mm-hmm. And as people were reaching out to me, wanting a deeper understanding of the of what I was teaching in the book, um, I actually was having a conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Leslie M. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, author of Swagger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, her side hustle is being a ball buster. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, Accurate. I was chatting with, I was chatting with Leslie and I, and I said to her, I said, you know, I have coached people in all different industries over the years. And the one common denominator that they have is that they're all in, they're all really good at what they do. And they're in industries where nobody teaches them how to make money at what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's been my experience my whole life. Photographer, speaker, coach, like everybody improves my skill set, and I keep hiring people to improve my skill set, but I'm figuring out how to make money at it on my own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I said to her, I said, somebody needs to solve this. And she said, why not you? So yeah. I said, all right, why not me? So I created the Self-Employed Business Institute um, for that exact purpose. We have, we have welcome, we do two cohorts a year. We have students from all different industries. Uh, it's a hybrid of group training and one-to-one coaching so that we're, we're teaching what's in common in being self-employed. So we're not all out there reinventing the wheel and we're addressing each person's specific journey mm-hmm. so that their exact needs are being met as well. There's no education like it. And I'm so proud of what we're building. Um, we've got a nice sized team now. We've got good systems to get the word out there because I think it's a, it's a massive need. Uh, the biggest marketing challenge for the self-employed Institute was saying the true, true of my book, the self-employed life. And that is self-employed people are so used to taking the hits on the chin on their own that they don't know to ask for help. We don't even know help is available for us. Yeah. The cool thing is most of our students have master's degrees, PhDs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've gone through the best of education, quote unquote, air quote, best education. They become self-employed and like, yeah, none of that's helping me. 
<laughs> and yeah. they join the business institute and they actually get the in the trenches practical education they need to be self-employed so we're super proud of it this is my legacy i'm building this to long yeah, outlive me and i tell my kids they will know i ticked every box in my life when someday they're on whatever social media platform exists when i'm long gone and somebody is circulating a, some dumbass quote i said in life and it's <laughs> circulating on social media <laughs> I, I will, I don't, heaven or hell, I don't know where I'll be, but I will be looking at that moment and be like, yes, I nailed it. That is my sole goal for living. <laughs> Dumbass quotes on half-ass Thursday. That's, That's right. Uh, that, that exactly. I love it. Where can people find some information, Jeffrey, on maybe the Institute or maybe just contacting you? Where would you like for yeah. people to check your stuff out? The uh, the Business Institute is selfemployedbusinessinstitute.com. Uh, and then my personal website is jeffreyshaw.com, which you can get one to the other as well. Yeah. So either okay. one. You bet. It's awesome, man. Thank you so much for just spending a little bit of time with us. You've, you know inspired us years ago. And uh, honestly, now you've got your own self-employed uh, national day. What day of the year is that? You made that happen. Yes, yeah, so it's it's May 4th. So um, coincidentally, my book was uh, released, self, The Self-Employed Life was released on May 4th of 2021. And a year later, I had a party in New York City and uh, which included several people. Pe you know, People are passing through New York City. It just happened to be a, a handful of us who happened to be in New York. Many of them were students of the Business Institute, and two of those students showed up at the dinner uh, with a fake certificate proclaiming May 4th as National Self-Employed Day. And I thought about it. I'm like, why not? Yeah. Right? So I, you can apply. So I applied to the national calendar and went through this whole process, and May 4th in the United States is now designated as National so Self-Employed cool. Day. So That's the inaugural great. event is in Miami uh, this May 4th, where we're having a proclamation. It's a four-day event. We're, we're having a proclamation ceremony. We're having dinner at Sexy Fish, which is as awesome as the name set suggests. Yes. <laughs> we're doing a sunset cruise. Uh, I'm making waffles, uh, which is something I do for people. Uh, we're doing a day and a half of coaching. So yeah, so finally in the United States anyway, uh, there is a day designated for hardworking self-employed people. And I'm pretty Love proud it. of that. Amazing. Love it. Listen, brother, we love you. Thank you so much for taking some time to uh, to talk with us and, and help our our audience, our people um, uh, learn a little bit more about what it takes to be happy and self-employed. Thanks we'll for having me on. Day. Rock on, brother. Thanks, bud. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. And grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, 
sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.